Lately, I am beginning to think that I'm the one behind the wheel. I don't know. <laughs> Is that the lyrics? Uh, beeps, one of the things I'm going to talk about in this episode, and they did a needle drop of that song, so fuck it. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a what I've been watching episode, guys. Yay! Feel the to ask myself how much I let the fear take the wheel and steer I think you're harder than Kayla it's driven me before and it seems to have a vague haunting mass appeal lately I'm beginning to find that I What is up, everybody? Welcome to Clear Attention Classics, the show where I, your host, Jake Ryan Baker, normally watch classic movies for the very first time and give my nostalgia for your opinions on them. Today is not a special episode. I, I got to tell you guys, I got to tell you guys, I am so disappointed to be sat here talking to you alone right now. I had such a streak going. I was so proud. And then next thing I knew, I was out of guests and I was like, oh, I don't have anything lined up. Oh, no. <laughs> I messed up. I have plenty of people that are excited to come on the show. I just didn't get it scheduled. I ran out of time. I mean, do I be honest with you guys and tell you that I'm recording this three hours before I'm going to put it out? I guess I just said it, didn't I? But yeah, I mean, I was going to watch a movie and just nothing was really grabbing me. I don't know if I was subconsciously afraid to tackle another movie after being so long since I broke one down by myself i was you know i was circling the drain a couple i was gonna do bringing out the dead or leaving las vegas because i was been feeling nick cage lately i think that'd be kind of fun i don't know i uh yeah it is what it is but hey i hope you guys don't think of these as like cop-out episodes even though i'm basically describing a (laughs) cop-out to you um i i i I wouldn't be doing this if I hadn't watched a bunch of cool stuff recently that I did want to talk about. Uh, so hopefully you, if you tune in, you like my opinions on other movies, maybe you're, I don't know. It's, it sucks because the format's a little different, but it's whatever you guys give me a break. I've been so good. I've been so good this year with the guests and the episodes and stuff. And you guys have been so good. You've been tuning in. My viewership is getting bigger. Uh, some of you, sort of fixed my apple podcast rating which you're the fucking best for doing that i found out that my episodes were getting cut off and now i'm not gonna have that happen anymore which is exciting uh so i don't know give me this one week uh to just chat shit about some stuff and then i will get back to our regularly scheduled program and even if it is just me talking about a movie and we'll, we'll figure it out so allow me this you lovely lovely people i'm gonna talk about Pretty much all the new stuff I've watched this year. And it's some good shit, too, so I'm excited to talk about it. 
So first and foremost, I'm going to dive into Banshees of Inishirin. And I don't know how, I guess it's kind of appropriate because one of my more recent episodes was Seven Psychopaths. And if you guys listen to that, but you don't have to, uh, it's a good episode. Uh, my friend Justin was on and we had fun. He had some strong feelings about the movie and they were valid. I I love the movie. And the thing is, I love Martin McDonagh. I love every movie he's made. I I like Three Billboards. I've gotten into online Twitter arguments about it. So suffice to say, I was excited for Banshees. He was teaming up with Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell again from In Bruges, which I would say, even though Seven Psychopaths has a really special place in my heart, maybe In Bruges is, I would argue, his best movie. It's maybe my favorite. I don't know. It's complicated. I like all of his movies, but... It's just good to see him teaming up with these guys again because he works so well with them. They're good with his dialogue. They can perform it well. And I mean, you know, I, I say in Bruges is his best movie, but I think, honestly, I think as far as like a mature story that has so much to say and with so many layers of nuance and just interesting stuff going on, Banshees is probably the best movie he's made, uh, which coming from me, as someone who's saying I love all of his movies, hopefully that strikes you guys as a very strong praise indeed. It's not maybe my favorite film of his, but I just think it's easily just the way it's shot, the layers with the characters. The first time I watched it, I ended with this really hollow pit in my stomach because, yeah, uh, mild spoilers, it doesn't have the happiest ending of all time. In fact, it has pretty much the opposite of that. But... I think once you realize what it's driving at and I, I was lucky enough to see it again. I actually screened it as part of a thing for work. And so I just got to kind of sit and watch it again. And it just, it hit a lot harder on the second watch, knowing where it was going, know where the characters were going. Cause I'd say one of the big things is it's really easy to watch it the first time and take Colin Farrell at face value. I think once you realize what the story's driving towards, you can sort of examine his character a little more thoroughly and understand the layers that are there and understand what's real, what's not real, what's bullshit. Even though the movie tells you time and time again, he's this way, this is what his deal is. The movie's also showing you the exact opposite of that. And I, I just think there's so much going on. Colin Farrell, I mean, it's funny because I feel like I've been riding his dick since before he was at a level where people would consider him to be a great actor, but I just don't even see how there's an, could even be an argument at this point that he's not amazing. He's so good in the movie. Everyone is really good in the movie. It's just a really classic case of a director cast good actors who he knew he could do his stuff. And then they also in turn elevate his material by bringing so much depth to it. It's just a really good marriage of, of talent with this movie it's beautiful, it's sad, it's heartbreaking. Uh, I wish it would have won more Oscars, but it kind of is what it is. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I adored that movie, so wasn't too sad that it scooped up so many <laughs> Oscars. But yeah, Banshees is just, it's not a movie I really want to spoil, because I, I think it's also a movie that, I remember when the trailer for it came out, I was like, wow, sometimes I feel like there's no original premises anymore. And then I saw this trailer and I was like, damn, I feel like I've never seen a movie with this idea before. And it was just really refreshing and it was good. It's only grown on me since. I, I would highly recommend it to you guys if you haven't gotten around to it. I mean, you'll know if it's for you. If you like a more straight down the middle, 
rom-com or action movie. This is not that. It, it's a drama through and through. It's got a, it's just pure character study stuff, which is the kind of stuff I live for. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I really enjoyed it. When I first watched it, it only grew on me since. I Yeah, I mean, I'll watch it again someday. I'll Maybe I'll have a whole week where I just watch all of McDonough's films again, because I don't think I've seen Three Billboards in quite some time. And it's been a long time since I've seen him Bruges as well. So, yeah, I'd be down for that. But yeah, Banshee's a Venus here, and it's fucking good. It's a big surprise. I'm sure most people talked pretty positively about it, but it's 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 a pretty special movie, and it's also just really encouraging to see a director, a writer that I already liked a lot, getting even more mature and more in depth with his stuff. And so, at this point, I wouldn't mind seeing him do it a slight about face and do something a little more wacky and fun. Return to that because the last two movies have been pretty damn serious. Even though there's plenty of dark comedy in his movies, I think he was sort of the inspiration for me wanting to do some of my own dark comedy stories because I realized through him, I really like that kind of stuff. And so uh, I really appreciate that in his stuff, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing something more like in Bruges or Seven Psychopaths, just something a little more fun. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a gangster picture or anything like that, but I'd like to see his nuance compiled with his uh, flair for the fun, <laughs> I guess. So we'll see what he does. I mean, I'll, I'm... I'm front row center for anything he does in the future. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, my Banshees review, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It was great. I liked it. I'm glad I got to see it a second time because it sort of solidified what it really was where I was a little unsure. So, yeah, that's that's my recommendation. Watch it. Give it a week and then watch it again, I guess. Yeah, you guys all have time for that, right? But, no, it's really good. I liked it. Next up, I'm going to really briefly talk about a short I watched. Uh around this time the oscars were going on and one of my favorite youtubers yms he mentioned of all the nominated shorts i don't know if it was specifically animated shorts or if it was just shorts in general but there was a there's a movie called it's got a pretty eye-catching title <laughs> my year of dicks and he wholeheartedly praised it gave it like really high marks especially for him to the point where i got intrigued and I checked it out, and I was glad that I did. It's like 25 minutes. You can find it if you Google it. It's on like Vimeo or something like that. It's really good. The animation's really creative and interesting. The story is a very classic. It seems like the director-writer was maybe pulling from their life experience of being uh, sort of a... Uh, I was going to say middle-aged teen. How do you say like a teenager, but you're like in the middle? You're like 15 or whatever. You know, the story's about a 15-year-old girl who's kind of trying to lose her virginity. It's a coming-of-age movie, and it's really well done, and it feels really raw and honest, and it's funny, and it's well-animated, it's cute, it's heartwarming, and I just had a really good time watching it. I was kind of glad I took 25 minutes out of my day to check it out. You know, I don't watch as much short content as I should, especially since I make so much and yeah, I mean, it's just nice. It's, it's told in like chapters too. It's just, it's really good. And it's a shame that it didn't win. Uh, by all accounts, it was like the best short for people, at least they have sort of similar taste to me. And I don't, I think it lost to something who knows the Oscars are stupid anyway, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, thanks to them for nominating this and giving me the, urge to see it i mean again the eye-catching title of my year of dicks but it's it's genuinely really good if you like coming of age stuff at all if you liked uh whatever that age of 17 or whatever movie that was or the diary of a teenage girl 
Uh, I mean, this is right in that same wheelhouse, and it's all just, I don't know. Uh, I feel bad because the director, her last name is nigh unpronounceable to me, so I'm not even going to attempt it, but you should look it up. Just uh, <laughs> just put that uh, safe search on, type in My Year of Dicks. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, it's findable. It's fun. I mean, you'll know if it's for you, if you like coming-of-age stuff. If you have any interest in animation, the animation in the movie is really incredible. I think each piece was maybe done by a different person, so the styles are different, too. It's pretty cool. And it's a very classic case of using the animation to convey these thoughts and feelings in a way that maybe you couldn't do with live action. and it's just so nice to see when animation really leans into what it is and it does the thing that every other form wouldn't be capable of doing. It, it, it's pretty remarkably well done. I'll definitely be like curious about the director's whatever she decides to do next. I'll be checking out for sure. Yeah, check out my year of dicks. <laughs> it's good. I'm kind of just going in chronological order of what I've watched since the last time I, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Uh, that being said, it means my next thing I'm going to talk about is John Wick Chapter 4. Here's the thing. I don't have much to say about John Wick Chapter 4. Uh, at this point, you know if you like the John Wick movies. Chapter 4 is not going to be the point that gets you in. I will say it is the most like high-budget and slickly produced John Wick movie, and it's really cool. I'd say as someone that loves film, I really like the way the movies look. The camera work is remarkable. There's some sequences that are absolutely stunning in this movie. The stunt work is top-notch, of course. I'd say, you know, the first movie is still probably the best movie because, you know, I just like a nice contained... It's, and it's not really contained, but it's contained for the John Wick series. The movies have gotten more and more extravagant as they've gone along, and this really peaked, for sure. Every set piece is so gigantic and over-the-top in a really fun way. It's gorgeous. Keanu Reeves... Seems like he might be the greatest man on the planet. Uh, he can't act. Uh, and thankfully, the movie mostly knows it. He just kind of gets to mutter a couple things while more charismatic people fill in the, the details of the world around him. But, I mean, he's great. He's obviously dedicated to this character. He does a lot of his own stunts, uh, but he also takes care of his stunt team. He's a great dude. I'm not trying to disparage him, but I also don't want to live in this world where we all just kind of pretend Oh yeah, he's so he's such a nice guy. We don't talk about the fact that he's not a good actor. He's just not a good actor. I, I love some of his old movies too. He's he's fucking great in Point Break. I love Speed. Uh, dude, a bad actor. <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is. Uh, but he's he's got a great face, and there's just something about him. Uh, and so it works. Whatever. Uh, but I mean, yeah, you you know if these movies are for you, you already saw it. Uh, it did really well, and I'm glad. Uh, this movie. If you think about the plot or the details of the world, I know a lot of people, oh, I just love the world building and the Continental and this whole Assassin's thing. It's like, I don't know. I'm going to push back against that a little bit. It, they, they love just sort of dangling dumb little details at you without explaining anything. And then the plot of the movie hinges on shit that gets brought up in the movie. Well, actually, if you do this challenge and blah, 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 and this rule and that, it's just really dumb it's all just an excuse for the action to happen. The movie's a little too long, but it, it reaches a point where you're like, okay, there's still like 45 minutes left of this movie, and the movie's like, oh yeah, we're going to do like a 45-minute action sequence, and you're like, all right, let's see it then. Um, I know a lot of people were really gaga for the new Tracker character. He didn't really trip my trigger too much. Um, I did love seeing Scott Adkins in this movie, though. That's my boy. 
from Undisputed. I love Scott Adkins, super underrated. I'm hoping this maybe will finally be the launch pad for him. There's no reason why he shouldn't have just as good of a career as someone like Jean-Claude Van Damme had. Uh, he's amazingly gifted at fighting in movies. He's a decent actor. Uh, it's he's, He deserves a bigger career than he has, and maybe this will finally be the push. Hopefully, people his character is great in the movie. Lawrence Fishburne's great. Uh, you know, rip to Lance Reddick. It was nice to see him in this role one last time, but God, what a weird celebrity death. That one sucked. Uh, and then Ian McShane, he's fucking great. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's always good. Uh, he's really good in uh, American Gods, if you guys ever watched that. But it's John Wick. You know if it's for you. I had a good time watching it. It is, uh, as my letterbox review described, uh, full sugar soda, empty calories, but it's tasty as fuck. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that's, that's John Wick, man. <laughs> Next up, I'm going to talk about a show, actually. I, I, I had a trailer targeted at me a couple months ago for this show on Netflix called Beef, starring Steven Yun and Ali Wong, and I was like, this looks good. Hmm. And I, I was kind of keeping my eye out for it, and then it dropped on a day where I didn't have a whole lot going on, and I, I watched the whole fucking thing, guys. I, I'm the worst. I, I'm a big proponent of spacing stuff out. I like having time between episodes, but I... I I mean, it's 10 episodes that are like 30 minutes each. I fucking watched it all in one day. I couldn't put it down. It's They did such a good job cliffhanging every episode. I couldn't, I couldn't stop. And I got to say, I'm looking at my list of stuff I have to talk about this episode, and I don't necessarily think that shows are super one-to-one with, with movies. I'd say other than the next movie I'm about to talk about, and maybe Banshees, I think Beef is my favorite thing that I've watched this year. It really left an impression on me. I mean, Stephen Young and Ali Wong are incredible, fucking incredible in this show. And the supporting cast is, I just really respect the showrunners for, or show, I think maybe it's just the one guy, but uh, they just have so much empathy for all these characters. And you, you, it's not even that you necessarily care about them. You just really understand where everybody's coming from. And for me, this has been a show I've been recommending to people a lot. And if you're hearing my voice right now and you haven't watched it, go fucking watch it. At least watch the first couple episodes. But know this, our two leads, they're going to do some bad stuff. They're going to they're gonna get into some shenanigans. They're going to be despicable humans at times. I like that stuff. I like a flawed character. I like a character that I see them do bad, but I understand why, and I root for them to maybe be better. I mean, every episode is just rooting for them to come to some kind of understanding or do better, but the show isn't just an absolute roller coaster in the best way. It's, it's the classic thing where five episodes in, if they had just you know said, you know what, actually, we took this too far. Let's just have some tea and hang out for the next five episodes. I would have been okay with that. But I also appreciate them just putting the screws to me episode after episode and turning up the knob. It gets bad, and then you don't think it could get any worse, and then it just gets worse. It's, man, it is special. And it really, the way the characters are, it just really made me feel so deeply for both of them. And I just saw a lot of myself in the characters. Not necessarily that I would do the things that they did, but there's 
parts of humanity that the show is exploring that are so deep and interesting and human, and it gets so existential by the end, too, in a way that I love. I I think the show's really, really special. I'm nervous because it had a big pop when it first came out, but like all these bingeable shows, it's just going to be a flash where we talked about it for two weeks and then no one ever talks about it again. And I just think that would be a shame because I think the show's really, really special. I've told a couple of my writer friends, this show is like influence my writing going forward type stuff. I really think it's special. The last shot of the final episode will honestly maybe live in my heart forever. It, it was the perfect way to close it out. It's just, man, I don't, and I don't want to spoil any of it because it's so fresh. Uh, and so I just will say, I would love for you guys to check it out. If you're hearing me right now, please give it a chance. Uh, if you think at first, oh, these characters are so shitty. I can't root for them. I get if that's your perspective and maybe it's not a show that you would love as much as I do, but there's just so much humanity and stuff in the show and it's funny and the needle drops are great. It's just, I think I opened with the, the Incubus song drive. Uh, it's every episode ends with like a banger song. It's, you almost look forward to it. It's just, it's a breezy watch. Like I said, it's each episode's 30 minutes. It's, and you can watch it purely for the plot because the plot is so insane, but the character stuff, Stephen Young and Ali Wong are just, man. And Stephen Young is, I mean, can we put him in like the, is he S tier yet? Can we say that yet? I, I've, thought he was there for years but even when i click on things on facebook that are talking about beef half the comments are glenn glenn from walking dead like no okay guys yeah he played a character on a show that was popular a while ago he's a lot more than that he's burning he's the lead character from invincible he's minari he's fucking awesome and i mean ali wong i loved her stand-up but i mean she can act holy shit and also uh confession I'm currently wearing a new pair of glasses. I absolutely bought these glasses because of her character on the show. Cause I saw her wearing a very similar pair and was like, God, I love those glasses. And then I needed to get a new pair. And I was like, should I get the Ali Wong from beef glasses? <laughs> and I did. And I'm quite pleased with myself. Uh, so yeah, I'm not going to spoil too much. I just think it's really special. It looks gorgeous. It's shot the, the writing It's just across the board, just like straight up 10 out of 10 stuff. I think I gave it a four and a half out of five on letterboxd but that's only because i'm trying to be really really sparse with my fives but i'm sure if i watched it again i probably would just be like no nah, it's a five i i don't have any issues with it it's just so interesting and good even the most minor characters they'll get this one moment where they reveal this facet of themselves and you're like oh you are capable of experiencing these feelings and I'm thinking of a particular rich character in the show. She gets something really late in the season where I, she says something to Ali Wong and I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> that's, and it's like this, almost this callback to an earlier conversation. It, it's crazy. Ali Wong has this therapy scene. That's just like, uh, I, I don't see how they don't win all the Emmys uh, for this. I don't know. It's really, really good. I would of anything I'm talking about on this list. This is the thing I would love for you guys the most to check out. I just want more people to see it. You don't even have to come chat with me about it. I just want you to experience it because I think it's really special. And I loved it a lot. I'll probably watch it again. And I don't watch shows again. Uh, it's, a, it's a rare, rare honor for me to watch a show again. 
Uh, I've watched like Love on Netflix a couple times, and that's about it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, fucking beef. Check it out, please, please. It's so good. Next up is Suzume. This might be the most obscure thing I cover besides my year of dicks, I guess. <laughs> but uh, if you like anime at all, this is an anime movie by Makoto Shinkai, who made Your Name and Weathering With You and a bunch of other movies that I want to retroactively go check out because I'm such a big fan of all three movies of his that I've seen. I loved Your Name. If you guys have ever seen my top 10 films of the 2010s video that I did back when I did YouTube videos still, uh, that's number three on my list of an entire decade. I love your name. It just crushes my heart in the best way. Every time I watch it and weathering with you, I love almost just as much. And I think on subsequent watches, I could find myself maybe liking it just as much. I don't know if more, cause I don't know if I can love anything more than your name, but holy shit, you know? So when I saw this was playing in my local theater, I had to go check it out very pleasantly surprised by a moderately filled theater for this one. And it was, I mean, the guy's got me. He, he makes the same movie like every time it's a magical journey. A lot of it centers on two characters who have really strong feelings for each other, but they're kept apart for some reason. And by the end, it's all the subtext is exploding and you have to kind of have followed along to understand how these characters you know, sometimes the love stuff seems like it comes out of nowhere, but he's really good at like putting that underneath the surface of all the actions. And I really, this movie is super special. It's basically a magical girl road trip movie. And this is easily the most like studio Ghibli type film that he's done. If you guys, you know, even people that aren't big anime fans, most people know Miyazaki, they know Spirited Away or. Uh, my neighbor Totoro and all that stuff. And he's got a lot of elements with like a magical cat and there's some shenanigans. I'm not going to get too deep into it, but there's, there's a thing with a chair. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Uh, and it's very prominent and it's very goofy. And again, like I was talking about with my year of dicks, ironically, it's the kind of shit you can only do in animation and it's special. And I wish that we, as a collective audience, held animation in more high regard than we do there's a lot of people that love the form but some people they just see oh animated that's for kids that's stupid i mean kids could definitely enjoy this film but there's a lot of adult nuance to it there's our main character she is a pretty sheltered person who needs a chance to see the world and it's all just really a metaphor for finally coming out of your shell and experiencing life a little bit and I love the travel part. Some people were saying, oh, it kind of drags a little bit uh, towards the end, I guess, because there's a very big peak and then there's a pretty long valley and then we get the final like real climax or whatever. But I was like, I'll sit here and watch this shit for another three hours. I don't give a fuck. Uh, it's I don't know. It's just I don't know what to say, though, because it's like for me is Suzume the movie. I'm like, OK, you need to go check this out and then check out your name. I think your name was kind of his, it's still where he really was at the top of his game, but I I love his other two movies just as much. And this movie has got a little bit of Miyazaki, a little bit of Ghibli in it. So it might sort of attract that kind of audience a little better, but you do also have to go in and know that there's more going on underneath the surface. He makes these 
similar feeling movies with these big epic emotions and i just love it you know i love stuff like banshees where all the stuff is so subtle and that's what's funny about makoto shinkai is he has these big epic moments where they're jamming a key into a lock and burst of energy and there's like fucking dragons and giant cat monsters and crazy shit going on but it's also the emotions of the characters are still very subtextual and you have to pick up on the you know clues of of their life and understand there's so much going on with the character and the fact that her mother passed away when she was really young and she never knew her father and she's dealing with all this stuff and she lives with her aunt and that informs the character and it's important to the story i mean god this movie's so good i just uh, man i don't but i don't know how to sell you on it i guess if you, it's something that's not already on your radar I guess I don't know what to say. It is a really special movie. You don't have to have watched his other films to get into this one. In fact, maybe I, I have a sneaking suspicion that whichever Shinkai film you watch first will probably leave the most heavy impression on you. Cause then when you go and watch his other stuff, you're kind of used to his game and you're prepared for it. And it might not wallop you as hard, which is why your name wallops me so hard. But even weathering with you still got me. And this really got me. If I, was watching it alone i would sob my little heart out i unfortunately i was like literally sat next to two strangers in the theater and so i just always i just never want to cry <laughs> next to strangers i don't know maybe it would be a good experience for me <laughs> but i i did it for uh everything everywhere all at once so whatever uh but yeah it's just i don't know how do i i mean if, even if you look at the trailer you'll see the animation and these movies is so special and beautiful. These movies are so fucking gorgeous. It's just such a love letter to animation and anime in Japan. This whole movie, there's this sort of like reoccurring theme of these earthquakes. And if you know anything about Japan, earthquakes and tsunamis have been this long-standing thing that kind of haunts everybody. Almost everybody's been through some horrific event or another. And it's this big undercurrent to the movie. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, if you like that kind of stuff at all, please, please check this out. I, I doubt it's still in theaters at this moment, but go check out Makoto Shinkai's stuff. Your Name, Weathering With You, Suzume, all fucking phenomenal films. They're all like minimum 4.5 out of 5 movies for me. I think they're really special, I'm a, but I'm a big mark for the big emotional stuff. I understand that it's not everybody's jam. You know, I when I was talking about my year of dicks, I mentioned YMS. They pretty famously did an episode on their podcast on your name and they shit all over it. And I was incensed, but I also understood that it's not for everybody. You either buy into the emotion or you don't. I think if you like anime at all, you're doing yourself a big disservice by not checking out Makoto Shinkai's films. Cause they're fucking phenomenal. Uh, and even if you like like old school Ghibli stuff, Suzume might scratch that itch for you. Uh, it's really good. I can't wait to watch it again, honestly. Uh, of everything I'm talking about today, uh, this and Beef are my two favorite things by a country mile with Banshees kind of keeping up and everything else I just, I liked a lot. Uh, but it's just, yeah, Susan May fucking rules. I'm so glad I took time to go see it in the theater. I almost didn't. And then it kind of just worked out that I had time that day. And God, I'm so glad so glad i saw it it's just it's what a special experience and i the only reason i talk about this kind of stuff is if you're hearing me right now i want that special experience for you it's not me <laughs> like you know sometimes i get self-conscious about talking about film and recommending it and saying why i think it's good 
it doesn't come from some sort of narcissistic place of, I just want to prove I'm right and that this movie is good. I want you to experience the things that I experienced. I was moved. I had little tears go down my face. I laughed. I was wowed. It's like film to me is so special. And when I see something this special, I want to share it with people. Uh, and, and this is the kind of stuff that doesn't get as much exposure as it should, especially here in America. And I would love for it to be bigger. And Makoto Shinkai should be a household name. He, he kind of deserves to be in the same conversation as Miyazaki. Miyazaki's the goat. He's the fucking goat. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's just man it's really good it's really good guys uh, i would love for you to check it out even if you're not the biggest anime fan maybe maybe give it a shot i don't know i think it's really special uh but i guess that's all i'll say about that the second to last movie i'm going to talk about today i'm not going to talk about very long because it's pretty straight down the middle here i saw the D movie i genuinely don't even remember what it's called through the uh power of google i've found that it's called honor among thieves it doesn't matter here's what does matter do you like swords and magic do you like D? have you like me noticed a big absence of swords and fantasy and magic and dragons in your movies and television and like me do you crave it desperately to the point where you'll tell people you know the warcraft movie's actually not that bad uh, if, if you're as desperate as I am, this movie's a breath of fresh air because it's actually good. And is it super good? Not really. Is the plot predictable, straight down the middle, obvious? It sure is. Is everybody doing a good job? They sure are. And I got to see spells that I recognize from a game I love being casted in a movie i got to see chris pine who is my favorite hollywood chris uh screw chris pratt chris evans you're all right chris hemsworth you're monstrously overrated but also you're dealing with like a big health thing so i'm not gonna shit on you uh, <laughs> but yeah i think chris pine's great and he's fucking great in this movie i have i mean i have i have my little nitpicks here and there chris pine plays a bard cast no magic in the movie i'm a, i'm bard is my favorite class i felt a little underrepresented but hey uh d and is also really fun in that there's so many different sort of like creatures you can play and and this movie was like yeah we're just mostly humans i thought for sure michelle rodriguez was like meant to be an orc but the more i watched the movie i was like nope she's just like a like a buff human okay cool uh but it's fun it's funny there's like a paladin that shows up and he's like super serious and lawful good it, there's it really felt like the people that made this movie actually did understand D&D. The movie felt like watching a D&D session in a really good way. It's a little goofy. It's a little all over the place. Again, it's very predictable, but I just had a good time watching it. My friends and I, we, we had a good time. We chuckled. It, you, I don't get to see fantasy and magic on the screen. I just don't. They used real spells from the game. I was like, holy shit. That's a time stop. That's a mage hand. That's just, it's, yeah, it was just fun. Uh, I think, you know, again, kind of like the John Wick movie, this is going to kind of go hand in hand with that. I think, you know, if it's for you, do you like Dungeons and Dragons? You should definitely see it. Are you kind of interested? It's it's perfectly inoffensive. It's not a bad movie. That was the biggest relief is this movie could have still I would have forgiven it just because it was giving me like a couple good sword fights and some magic. 
I would have, you heard me say, I defend the Warcraft movie. So we, you know what you're working with here, but I didn't have to defend this movie because it's actually like well-made and competent. I don't know why it cost as much as it did. I was really shocked to find out this is like a $150 million movie. Having watched it, I still don't fully under, I think there's just a lot of CGI, a lot of moving parts that probably just ended up adding up. And I feel bad because I don't think it's doing as well as it needed to, which sucks. But I don't know. I mean, it really, well, you know, actually, it really does suck because I need these movies to do well so that they make more fucking fantasy movies so I can enjoy them. I swear, and this is not, I swear this is not from any sort of narcissistic place or anything like that, but I've long in my ambitions to be a filmmaker and writer and stuff thought maybe i just have to spearhead fantasy coming back <laughs> you know i just in dnd is as big as it's ever been you would think i mean this movie did well but it's just it didn't do well enough because for some reason it cost 150 million and it's not yeah it's like when you do fantasy and magic and dragons and you have creatures and giant coliseums full of people and mazes and gelatinous cubes it yeah it costs money and it's hard to make that all back, but I don't know. I mean, we get stuff like, I mean, we get all these popular D&D shows and they're really great. And I'm going to actually finish this podcast by talking about a D&D podcast that I love that I recently picked back up again. And it's crushing my soul because I'm almost done with it. Uh, we're not there yet, though. Uh, but, you know, you have Critical Role and they have a show called Vox Machina. And, you know, maybe if I want to really get my fantasy itch, I should be watching that show, which I will. Um, but I also do want to see the big budget fun stuff and I don't know, maybe someday I'll get to be a part of it. I have a lot of ideas. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> I got a movie that's got dragons in it and it's going to be cool. I swear. Uh, I do know some people at a local level that are making a movie called Emerald Forest and that's a fantasy movie and I'm quite excited about that. I probably should make more of an effort to get involved in that project because that's super up my alley. But yeah, it's it's a and d movie. You know if it's for you. <laughs> but also just support it. Help me get more swords and magic on screen, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> Last film, but definitely not least. This one's tough because I could probably do an entire episode on Bo is Afraid. But I don't want to because it's really fresh still. As it stands, it should still be in theaters when this comes out. I don't want to spoil anything. This is the kind of movie that... You know what, actually? I'm going to do some real quick Googling because I, I want to come at you with a couple facts. Well, I kind of said I looked this up, actually. <laughs> so I, I know Bo is Afraid was a movie that was made for like $30 million. I'm seeing right now that it is made... $3 million worldwide. That is not good. Uh, that's actually really sad. It It's interesting, right? So the director is Ari Aster. Most people, I feel like Hereditary and Midsommar are quite popular films. Even if you don't love them, I think most horror aficionados are aware of them, have probably seen them just because it gets mentioned in the circles. I love them. I really liked Hereditary. Midsommar, maybe one of my favorite movies of all time. I love that movie. I love every element of it. I love what a slow burn it is. It's absolutely an influence on some things I'm working on now. 
so that should tell you how much I love it, you know. But uh, man, I can't believe it's doing this badly. Suppose Afraid is a bit of a left turn for him. It's not a straight up horror movie, even though there are some pretty horrifying elements of the film. I was always going to see it just because it's Ari Aster and the guy's two for two, kind of three for three if you count his weird short film, The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, which I actually watched a year or two ago again after being horrified by it in high school. And I was kind of seeing the layers. It's a very weird film, kind of went viral just because it's so fucked up. But I don't know what to say about Bo is Afraid because it's unlike anything I've ever seen. There's really nothing I can compare it to besides maybe say it has like some elements that share some similarities to maybe Charlie Kaufman films, at least from what I've seen. Maybe there's movies that it is similar to that I haven't seen that it could be have comparisons drawn to, but you know, like Synecdoche, New York, or This is the End, there's some elements that it shares with it, or maybe the wackiness of being John Malkovich or Eternal Sunshine, which I will say, just cards on the table, guys, I feel like I mention Eternal Sunshine occasionally. I've never watched it from beginning to end. I'm absolutely going to do it for the show at some point. Maybe that'll be my solo episode. I finally just dive into that, but it's like so many people's favorite movie that I also just kind of want to find somebody for that, but but I, I don't know what to say about Bo is Afraid. It's like, how do I pitch this to you? I can say I really liked it. It's only grown on me since I saw it. I laughed my ass off in the theater, and my friends were laughing even harder than I was. It's an insane movie. Every 10 minutes, I had no idea what was going to happen. The movie's three fucking hours long, and I had to piss with an hour left, and I was like, I can't get up because I don't want to miss anything, and and I'm glad I didn't because I would have these moments where I would go, if I went to pee, I would have missed this, and that would have been awful. There's like one moment where there's a really long sequence with a narration over that I'm like, maybe if I missed a chunk of that, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world, but there's some other stuff that I would have been so sad if I missed, and it's just, just insane. The the only thing I think worth saying to preface it, because again, what I'm doing here is I'm selling the movie to you, but I'm not going to go into it because it's too recent, is the whole movie is from our character Bo's perspective. And so you have to understand that the way we're seeing the world presented is the way he sees the world. And it's super fucked up. He basically sees the city he lives in as this almost post-apocalyptic wasteland and you're not meant to think, oh, he's living in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. You're meant to think that's how he sees the world. But the, the movie doesn't explain that to you. You just have to understand that. And so it's the kind of movie that's maybe not for everybody. It's not straightforward. It's not holding your hand. It's just showing you crazy shit and crazy scenario after crazy scenario. And what's funny is while the movie's not holding your hand at all, it's not subtle either. It's one of those movies where it's so not subtle that I wonder if there's another two layers that I'm missing because I'm pretty much taking the obvious interpretation of what's beneath the surface of what I'm actually seeing. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like, it's a guy that's got mommy issues and that's what the movie's about. He's anxiety ridden. He's terrible in social situations, but we see these social situations ratcheted up to 11 I don't know. There's so many set pieces that I thought were amazing. I loved it. 
Uh, it's not my favorite thing by Ari Aster. It's not going to topple Midsommar anytime soon. And I think I still probably like Hereditary better, but they're really not even comparable. And it is kind of cool to see him capable of something so different from these really interesting, slow burn, very horrific movies. He just, he has such an interesting mind. I'm really sad to see this movie is doing this fucking poorly because it's a big swing for a studio to, to let him make a movie like this. And I would have hoped it paid off a little bit. It doesn't seem like it is. My theater had some people in it, which for a Fort Wayne theater had me inclined to believe that this movie was probably doing okay. I'm shocked. I'm shocked to see this box office mojo number. I'm going to close it. I'm tired of staring at it. It's depressing me. Because <laughs> I really liked it. I gave it a four out of five on Letterboxd. It's only grown on me. When I think of a certain sequences, I just chuckle and I, I just think, man, that was awesome. Or I like when that happened. It's indulgent. I did notice that a lot of the more middling or even negative reviews really zeroed in on how long it was and talked about, oh, it just feels interminable and it drags. I didn't think it dragged. There was a point where I glanced at my phone for a second because I was like, how much time is left? Because I don't know how much longer I can hold. Uh, and I, I assume there was like an hour left and there was like less than 20 minutes left. I was like, holy shit, we're already, I can't believe it's this late already. The movie flew by for me just because every set piece was so insane. And I was just ready for what was going to happen next. I was thrilled. I mean, we all know Joaquin Phoenix is, is really, really good, but I mean, he's really, really good, but so is everybody in this movie. I don't know a lot of them by name, Parker Posey. Patty Lapone. I mean, they're all really, really good. Richard Kind. God, Richard Kind's so good. Uh, random cameo by Bill Hader. I was like, is that Bill Hader? So fucking good. The movie's funny. If you like dark humor, it's so funny. Uh, but yeah, I would love for people to go see it. But I also, this is the kind of movie where I'm just like, if you're not a big time film person who loves to see weird stuff, you're not like a big a24 fan if i say a24 and that means nothing to you i don't think this movie is gonna do anything for you but if you're kind of holding out like oh i'm just gonna go see it when it's on like hbo max or some shit i mean it was a really gorgeous movie i liked the way it looked a lot it played really well on the screen it was so nice to be in a theater with other people laughing uh th thankfully my friend group was the one laughing the most which you know really gave me permission to cut loose because i was just like this is insane i, I want to laugh and it feels so encouraging when other people are you know because like i said i think this movie is really funny but i don't know man it, it's it it's got a lot to say it's I, I a friend of mine he put it in an interesting way where i saw a couple of his reviews for it were basically like the fbi couldn't have waterboarded this movie out of me because it does seem a lot like Ari Aster is presenting a lot of the ways he views the world and his anxieties to us in a way that's very revealing. I love that shit. I've said multiple times on this show that the reason why I love Charlie Kaufman so much is because he's so honest in his work and just says like, yeah, I feel like I'm a sad, pathetic man with nothing to give. And I feel that all the time. And so I'm, channeling that into my stories and i like to see that kind of stuff it feels raw it feels honest it's nice to see 
for a change as opposed to everything else that's so veiled and withdrawn and no one can ever just be open and be like, yeah, I feel like a piece of shit sometimes. And you know, this is the kind of movie that's like that, which is again is why I compare it a little bit to the Kaufman and stuff. So I don't know. I, but I haven't really done a good job selling you guys on it. I think it's just a case of, because the trailer doesn't do a good job either. It's just, it's such a, if you're in the mood for something really weird and offbeat and darkly funny and something that tackles the anxieties that we have of just existing in society, the pressures that our parents put on us and stuff. I mean, it's a wild movie. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. Quite frankly, it's probably unlike anything I'll ever see. And it it, it is special for that. Um, but it, it is, it's also not for everybody. So I don't know. It's complicated, but I don't know. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I don't know. But I've also literally had people I, I know in person where I say, hey, you want to go see Bo is Afraid? And I kind of try to describe what it's about. And they're like, nah, I'm good. And I kind of just have to go, yeah, yeah, I get that. But I don't know. If you're hearing me and it does seem kind of interesting to you, maybe go check it out. I don't know. That box office is pitiful, but I don't know. At least it got to make it. At least we'll always have it. It exists. And that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> I already went a little longer than I wanted to, so I'm going to just be very brief on this. I wrote on my list I wanted to talk about NADPOD, which is short for Not Another D&D Podcast. I don't know if I've mentioned on the show before. It is a podcast where four lovely people play D&D, and it's really special to me. I listened to the first campaign, which got to be about 100 episodes for a while, and then right when I got to episode like 95, I took a break because I subconsciously wasn't ready for it to be over. But I've been playing D&D with some really great friends recently. I've been having the fucking time of my life. I'm having so much fun playing D&D right now. I love the group that I'm playing with. They're the best. Uh, you know a couple of them, Jancy and Robert, are actually in my D&D group, which are frequent guests of the show. Uh, they're amazing people. That's why I have them on the show so much, because I just fucking love talking to them and hanging out with them. And... So I've got the D&D bug super hard, and so I, I picked it back up, and as as I'm recording this, I am on episode 100, I haven't started it yet, and I am so scared to start it, because I just, it's like, these are my friends, and if I listen to this last episode, they're gone, and what's nice is they've done other campaigns, and I'll I'll just jump into the next campaign and get just as invested in that, but man, I think if you like D&D stuff, like Critical Role is the really popular thing, and then a lot of people know Dimension 20. It's because of Dimension 20 that I found that pod, because a lot of the people, two of the people that are on a lot of Dimension 20, I might be speaking gibberish to people right now, but yeah, if you don't know nine other D&D podcasts, but you like D&D stuff at all, I highly, highly recommend it, and you can just straight up start from the beginning, because their first campaign is fucking amazing, and the journey that they have gone on as characters and as people, one of them has never played D&D before, and seeing his growth as a role player is so amazing. It's just a really special show, and I'm kind of in my feelings about it, so I tacked it on this list of, like, I just want to shout out another podcast that's amazing. It's really getting, it got me through some tough times, and it's been a really fun thing to listen to these past couple weeks and catch up on. It, it's just really, really special. It, it's, it's, it's just special. It's a special piece of media in general. It's not, oh, it's a special for a podcast. It's just special in general. Murph and Emily and Jake and Caldwell 
are amazing and I love them. And I'm just like hundreds of other people who've said, you've got me through some tough times. You've been really special to me, but I'm one of those people. They really encourage me to get into D and D and I'm having a, a ball with it. Maybe someday I'll run my own campaign. I don't know. It's kind of like being a storyteller, I guess, but yeah. So just shout out to not another D and D podcast. It's, it's awesome. There's really not much else to say about it other than just please fucking listen to it. If you have anything that would make you think you would like a podcast about D and D or if you're remotely interested and it's just D and D is so special because there's so many different flavors of it. There's some people that run more serious. NADPOD is definitely a lot goofier, but then there's so many episodes where I'll tear up because they're all so good and you just care about the characters and in a way that you spend so much time with these characters. Like I said, a hundred episodes with these characters. So I feel like I know them. I feel like they're family. Uh, Whenever they're in danger, I'm scared, legitimately scared. And it's, it's a special experience that you don't really get from a lot of media. And so I just wanted to shout it out, but I'm not going to spend too long on it. This is a movie podcast. So (laughs) yeah, I don't know. That's what I've been watching guys. Uh, I appreciate you listening to me. Uh, Sorry, it was sort of a cop-out episode this week, but I hope you liked it. Uh, Hit me up if you want to be on the show. Hit me up if you want to talk about any of the movies I talked about. Hit me up if you have suggestions. Hit me up if you want to know how to, I don't know, rate my stuff. I don't know. Go on Spotify. Give it five stars or whatever. Apple. Um, I don't know. If you're someone that's like not a personal friend of mine and doesn't know how to get in contact with me, I think I have a, uh, a, a Gmail called Clear Tented Classics. There's also a Clear Tented Classics page on Facebook. Uh, I kind of check those. <laughs> um, I don't know. What's a good way to get a hold of me? I'm not sure. I'm on Instagram. Uh, a lot of my handles online are Jake Baker SAN, Jake Baker San. You can like find me on Instagram under that. I don't know. It's terrible. I'm. I'm <laughs> But if you're someone that's like stumbled across my podcast and just wanted to bend my ear on something, please do. Uh, you're awesome for listening, and I'm happy to to hear hear you out. <laughs> and if you're hearing this, then please, by all means, that's why I save his plugs for the end. Because if if you hear me plug this shit and then reach out to me, I know you're I know you're a true fan, truly dedicated. So you deserve it. I, you deserve my time. <laughs> and I, I love you for spending time with me. Thank you guys so much. And uh, as I unfortunately always say at the end of every episode, I'll catch you all on the flip flop later. Bye, guys. There was water over